Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. And this time, it's a bonus episode. That's right, folks. This is one of those episodes I do every once in a while that isn't the regular weekly episode. This is just an extra special thing just for you. And today, I get to do an interview with Frankie and Alex and Paco of FNA Van Life, who I have been following on YouTube and their podcast since I started doing this. I remember listening to you guys specifically when I was installing solar panels on my NV200. Boy, that must have been 2019. And so, weirdly, I feel like I know you guys (laughs) because I've been watching you all along and yet you have no idea who I am, so I kind of have the advantage. So please introduce yourselves to the audience. Well, Jeff, we're so happy to be talking to you today. Thank you so much for having us on this bonus episode of the show. We're really excited. Um, yeah, so I'm Alex. And I'm Frankie. And we usually do that the other way around because we're FNA Van Life, which is kind of like a cheeky play on freaking awesome. But also our names are Frankie and Alex. Yep, yep. And uh, we've been traveling for three years now. We've been on the road since 2019, actually a little bit over three years now. Uh, we have been in two different rigs. We snowboarded over 71 mountains in our in wow. our first winter season of uh, van life. That was actually the, the goal was to, to snowboard tons of different mountains and live this lifestyle for one year. And it turned into three years of loving this lifestyle and just loving being on the road and meeting people and doing these interviews with people, just absolutely loving life uh, and living life to its fullest. Now, so for those folks who aren't familiar with FNA Van Life, they do at least one video a week on YouTube. And one of the things I really appreciate appreciate about these guys is, and I'm going to have to bleep this, they are no bullshit. They have the pretty Instagram photos and stuff, but they're also going to show you getting stuck in the mud. Or one of their most popular videos is how to have sex in a van, which some of my old listeners will remember. I did a podcast on a very similar thing because... Van life is life, and people will do in vans the things they do in regular life. So we'll give you links and stuff later. But, folks, um, these are some of the folks I learned van life from watching them. And so they're kind of an inspiration to me. So let's see. You you were working in New York, right? That's how this started? Yeah. First and foremost, I want to say thank you so much. That's an honor to uh, (laughs) be the people that you – like that you've learned from, you know, because we're learning as we go as well. You know, everybody's making it up in life as as we go. And we try to show the realest aspect of our lives to everybody out there. That way everybody gets a real understanding and a sense of what it's really like to be on the road. Well, because also if people are listening and watching, we would hate for them to get into a van and then think it's all going to be great and wonderful and Instagram and whatever. And then they get stuck in the mud or they... You know, there's something breaks or something goes wrong or whatever. And so we try to be very honest about what's actually happening. And with all that, it still is F&A, you know, so it it really is. It's it's That's the point. Yes, it's this lifestyle that you get to live your best life. You get to do the things and the hobbies that you want to do. And uh, that's really the reason why we we dug into it so much. You know, I, I love the aspect of having all of our time for us. And since we built a business based on us, yeah. uh, we get to really enjoy what we want to do in life. And we are so fortunate for that and uh, for bringing along this following that has became, you know, our, our way of making money and also our community and life yeah. in general. 
Yeah, it's like you have this giant family of thousands of people now. Yeah, it's so beautiful. But when we first started, like you were saying, we were living in New York City, and both of us, I was working as an executive assistant. Frankie was working as an HVAC technician. We were both like run ragged, like leaving home at 6 a.m., getting home at you know 7 p.m., making dinner, watching a TV show, going to bed, rinse, repeat, yeah. you know? Um, and we were just really sick of it. Frank was commuting like three hours a day for free. Like, you know, they don't pay you your commute time. The commute never really changes. It's always the same stuff over and over. You know, you're looking at concrete walls and big buildings. And as much as that's cool when you first get there, it gets old pretty quickly. Yeah. I think what we kind of realized was that, you know, I am from Toronto originally. So when Mm -hmm. I first moved to New York City, it was like so cool and everything was so new. And even just like riding the subway or going to a new bar, you know, all these different things, making new friends. Everything was like fresh and I was like going out of my way to like go to art museums and things like that and like really exploring the city and it's a hell of a city to live in oh yeah when you're in your 20s you know your mid mid 20s your later 20s if you like to go out and you like to party if you just enjoy having everything and anything pretty much at your fingertips you have that there but you also have to deal with the noise of it so it's very busy it's very noisy when you're there and you live there you're very used to it but when you get out and then you go back in, you could feel the difference. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I, you know, just in Chicago, I, I know Chicago's not New York, although we have alleys and you guys don't. So there. But <laughs> it's, it's the same. I I mean, I live in kind of in the middle of the city, a neighborhood called Lakeview, and um, I need to get out. You know, I, I'm not a full timer. My listeners know this. Uh, I, I go out for extended trips. But these big buildings are like canyons that close in on you after time and you can't breathe and you need to get out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we were totally feeling that i was starting to have panic attacks every day like i could barely <laughs> ride the subway to work like i was literally sitting there like trying to listen to a meditation and be like okay i'm not having a heart attack i'm not having a heart attack i'm not having a heart attack. i would get a call at least like three times you know a week probably from alex of like hey i'm having to get a panic off the attack. train and yeah. i'm like talking her down off the ledge you know and i'm like hey babe everything's all good like take a deep breath take your time there's nothing that's worth it. You know, you, yeah. you can make, you're going to make it there. Just take your time. So I think really we were just like ready to get out of the city, ready to, you know, relax and unwind a bit. We had kind of decided that we didn't want to live long-term in New York city. Obviously our bodies weren't agreeing with it. And so the idea of van life before we even met Frankie had this idea. He saw this guy who um, was snowboarding, going all these different mountains in a converted fire truck. And so that was like really cool to Frankie. He was like, well, just like classic snowboard bum. Like, I just want to like live on the mountain and like, that's it. That's all that matters. Yeah, to give you like kind of an idea of who I am. I love being outdoors. I'm a a person that enjoys sports in general. I I love activity, um, but I also love nature. And um, for me, you know, working at this job where I was kind of behind closed doors, I was kind of in these like IDF rooms, which is like a, a room where they would store information. I had to keep those rooms cool. Yeah. Um, and then I would, I mean, I would be in some really cool spots. I'd be working on top of the World Trade Center building and wow. starting up the museum and uh, in the sense of like air conditioning. And I, I was in really prestigious, awesome places, but I was always stuck behind these walls. So yeah, for yeah. me, it was like um, every chance I got to get out and go somewhere in nature, I took. And that was, you know, a calling for me of like, all right, you know, my, my dad got sick, unfortunately, and passed mm-hmm. away. 
and he passed away at 53 years old. Wow. So for me, that was a symbol and a, and a, and a moment for like, your time is really short in life. So like you really need to do what you love to do to have a, a fulfilled life, you know, to have a life that you could, you know, look back at when that time is coming, no matter when that time is. And you could say, you know what, I, I lived a great life. You know, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm happy with where I am. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have that when that time comes regardless. But for me, I felt like this is what I needed. Started thinking about ways to get on the road and or like what I could do to travel and um, I didn't know Alex at this time and I just had an injury and I was going through this process of like, all right, getting back from the injury. What do I got to do to get to this? Like, you know, saving this money to get on the road and get away from this job. And Alex came into my life and we went out on a, our first date and I actually told her like, don't get attached. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be traveling in like three months from now. So don't get attached. But also during the date, I was like, hey, if you want to come along with me, you know, you're welcome to. Wow. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean that, that's, that's the honesty that I like in your show. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, no, we're not going to play games here. Let's talk about what it really is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so um, I could see that in the back of my mind that she was kind of excited about the idea of that. But also at the same time, she was like, I just met you. Yeah, like, like let's we've, we've known each other for like three hours. Pump, I'm not living in a van with you just yet. Pump the brakes, homeboy, is what yeah. she was like, you know. And so that that date was only supposed to be like two hours and it turned into like an eight to 12 hour date. And we just really enjoyed each other's company and really loved the energy that we got from each other was amazing. Yeah, you guys have great chemistry and that's obvious on the camera, especially in moments where like, Frankie, you're trying to avoid the van getting stuck. Yeah. And Alex is in the passenger seat like, it's going to be okay. And she's like reassuring us yeah. watching that. It's going to be okay. He's going to do this. It's okay. And he's holding Paco tight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And and in those moments, Alex is extremely uh, nervous. Uh, but at the same time, she I think she knows that I'll get us through it in those moments. But having her positive energy too helps me stay positive in those moments and, and okay. know that I could get us out of it. So it's really, it's a team effort. Even though I'm the one driving, she's... She's the one filming. She's the one, you know, making sure that she's capturing everything. And, uh, yeah, just being there for me, like, you know, reminding me to to take a deep breath, like, that I'll get us out of it and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'm really thankful for her because of it. So, Alex, you're, you're, you're Canadian. Yeah, so I have Canadian citizenship, and then I have a green card in the United States. And so that's one of the reasons we've been in Central America and Mexico um, since May of last year, but we need to get back to the United States before a full year has elapsed. Right. If I'm gone from the United States of America for more than a year, I can put my green card in jeopardy. They kind of, they see it as like you're abandoning your green card. Yeah. Um, so we need to get back to the United States sooner than later so that we can make sure that that's not uh, going to be a problem. We're actually kind of, we're going to be getting up to the border, like fingers crossed they don't give us a hard time because yeah. apparently between the six months and 12 months period, they can like pull you aside and interrogate you and like, mm. you know, like have you been establishing a residency somewhere else? And things I mean, like just, obviously we haven't been, no, actually, I brought my house with me. Right. <laughs> I live in this parking lot now. Yeah. I think the one good thing is we'll be able to prove that we aren't doing that. And hopefully everything goes pretty smooth. We know that border crossings take time. We've been through, yeah. you know, what, like nine, ten different border crossings at this point. So we, we know what it takes and we're, we're willing to go through the grueling, you know, aspect of that. It takes forever, but it's worth it when you when you can get through that border. Absolutely true. So you guys are in, let's see. So when I first started, you were in a sprinter, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So we were in a 2003 Dodge Sprinter that when we bought it, it had over 200,000 miles on it. So she was a real fixer upper. Yeah. Yeah. It was a heck of a task for the first van, but we were able to get into it and build it for a much lower amount of money than what most people are getting into these vans for. Well, so I think too, our original idea of van life was only like one year of travel. So right. we, we knew that we wanted to get out of New York City and we figured we're going to get in the van for one year. Our, actually, our plan for the year was to do 83 mountain snowboarding, hop up to Alaska for the summer, head down to Panama for the fall, and then be back in Florida for Thanksgiving. So we were going to do that entire drive, the entire like continent of North and Central America in less than a year. Which realistically is doable, but it is that's yeah. far-fetched. Yeah, it's all you're doing is driving. You're not seeing much. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But so after we did that, then in our minds, we'll have yeah. seen all of America by and now. And we'll know exactly where we want to live. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be easy to choose somewhere and we'll just settle there. And, nope. you know, but because I think, too, like our mindset was different at the time. Like we had always worked these traditional jobs where every other week you get a paycheck and like, you know, the stability of that. And before we left, we did we saved a ton of money. And so we had this nest egg that we were hitting the road with. But in our minds, we're like, okay, at the end of the year, that nest egg will be gone. And then now we need to like get back to real life, get real jobs, you know, settle down somewhere. You got to eat. So note for the folks at home, they left with a nest egg. That is so incredibly important. There are so many stories about people like, well, I spent all my money on the van. I'm going to hit the road. And then their transmission falls out of the van and they're in serious trouble. Yeah, we totally agree. Actually, in the book that Alex wrote about like getting into van life, that book specifically states that we think that everybody should have some type of savings. Yeah. Uh, that like six months to a year of yeah. savings, like knowing that you don't need a job for that time is is a great way to travel and enjoy travel for a little bit of time. But there's going to be things that come up that just happen, and you're going to have to fix them, and it might take most of that money. You really got to have something ready to take care of those problems. Yeah, absolutely true. So you, you drove around the U.S. for a while. You went up to Alaska. Now you guys are doing nine countries in nine months, right? Yeah, yeah. we're doing. It's going to be more like eight and ten by yeah. the time we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's the inside scoop. So. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, you guys, everyone knows on my podcast, but nobody watching YouTube knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, life changes and things happen. And, you know, when you start an adventure like this, even like when we started the mountains, you know, like you have this grand idea of like, how fast you're going to move or things like that, or, you know, and then you actually get on the road and you start doing it and things just like totally unfold differently. And, you know, if somebody invites us somewhere, if somebody wants us to come over for dinner or tells us like, this is a great beach spot, you have to get there. Like we're open to these kinds of things. One of the big things that happened is when we hit Guatemala, we were in Lake Atitlan, which is an absolutely wonderful, beautiful place. If you ever get an opportunity to go, go. Like mm-hmm. it's it's magical. You might get stuck there. Once. We literally got stuck, we got stuck there, but also at the same time, it was a hard place to leave because it's so beautiful. Yeah. But while we were there, we we looked at each other and we were like, "Why are we doing this trip?" I think that I was experiencing a little bit of burnout because 
we had been kind of like, so we finished building the van in May. We rushed across the country to get to a van life event. So we decided that we were going to go into Central America. And for the months leading up to that, it was like all this paperwork and insurance. And yeah, we had a wedding. Um, so we did all these things and, you know, rush, 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 cross the border, Tijuana. And we made this nine countries in nine months as like our goal. We started saying to ourselves, are we doing this for the videos? And realistically, when it comes to this lifestyle, when it comes to your life, you want to do things for you and not mm-hmm. people. You know, like, yes, you want to help other people along the way. You want to do these things. But if you're not truly, genuinely enjoying it for yourself, how are they going to enjoy it with you? Right. No, that's a very good point. I've seen that happen with some of the channels that have been around for years. You can tell they've stopped having fun. They've stopped living life on their own terms. And they spend their entire week like, what am I going to do this week for a video? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and I lose interest then. You can see it. You can tell. Yeah, but then at some point, it's almost like, be honest about that, because yeah. everybody's going through some kind of, you know, existential crisis or whatever, okay. and, like, when we were in, like, Atlanta, I was feeling really burnt out and, like, not sure if I wanted to keep going and, you know, struggling with that. And I stopped Alex and was like, hey, listen, if you don't want to continue doing this, we do not have to. Right. Like, you got to remember, like, this is this is our life together. Let's Let's do it the way that we want to do it. If you don't feel comfortable doing this, I'm okay with turning back, you know? Yeah. And I, Alex went to a yoga retreat and I stayed back in the van with Paco. We, we did make a video that was like, we're separate, like not like, separate. I remember. She left me. <laughs> I was like, know, what? Which, <laughs> yeah, which she did. She left me for a week. It's not something that we do. Like we're always <laughs> together. Was that was it? probably the first time that we'd been apart for more than like a few hours since we wow. moved into the van. Yeah. Because we're, you know, we're always together. We travel together. Even like when we leave the van and go somewhere else, we're doing it together. And like most couples, you know, not that anything's wrong with our relationship or anything like that, but like you would say, okay, bye, honey. And then go to work for the whole day. Right. And you would do that for five days of the week and Mm -hmm. then spend your weekends together. So for us, it's like 24, seven, 365 you know, minus a basketball game here or there or whatever. Or surfing you know? or snowboarding or something that I'm going away to do. And yeah. so Alex never really gets these opportunities for herself. So she took this opportunity to go on a yoga retreat by herself. And Perfect. at first she offered for me to come. And I was like, no, you should do this for yourself. Like, this isn't my thing. This is your thing. She was feeling that she's never done anything by herself in a, in a way. Yeah. And so this was her opportunity to do that. I think it was a perfect opportunity and a perfect time for her to realize she was doing the right thing Mm, it was a really good reset and then helped us get re-excited to keep going you know and we talk about that in the video you know it's like you know are we going to keep going are we not going to keep going like we're struggling with this you know and also how excited we are to have each other and to be together you know like when you're with each other all the time you kind of lose sight of that sometimes Damn. Well, it's kind of funny because I feel because we've been on the road for so long now, we've met a lot of couples along the way. Yep. And a lot of those couples are not together anymore. Sure. Yep. Um, I've seen that myself. <laughs> and a lot of them has, have asked us for advice on like how we deal with things. And, you know, I try to tell them, you know, our relationship is different than yours. You have to figure right. out those things for yourself. Like, here's some of the things we do. If you could implement them for yourself, then great. But you know, you got to figure out what those things are for you guys. Like, Absolutely right. And right. communication is key to that. I've never yeah. heard of any relationship that worked without communication. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mind reading. It's called mind yeah. reading. <laughs> Men are very good at it. No, we're not. They no. think they are. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I think that this was an opportunity just for us to to have this moment of realization, of self reflection, of just knowing that this is actually what we want to do. We reflected on the nine countries in nine months. Yeah. Might not be the actual thing, uh, but we're going to do most of Central America, and that's what we've done. So are you guys going to try to cross the Darien Gap? And for folks who aren't aware, you can't drive to South America completely because there's a big section of jungle that there's no roads. So are you guys going to go across that? No. So that's never been part of the plan for this adventure because of the green card situation mainly. I mean, technically Uh, I could fly back and then you'd have to fly back and be there for a couple of months or something before you leave again. Uh, But so for us... This was like a one-year kind of honeymoon, actually. So, because we got married in February, and then we left for the trip in May. So, it's a very long, extended honeymoon. I highly suggest a nine-month honeymoon. Yeah, definitely. I think South America would be a really cool trip, and hopefully someday we get to do that. But what we've heard from other van lifers and things like that, it would almost be cooler to ship the van to the end point. Right. So, and then be driving north the whole way back so that it feels more like you're heading towards home instead of driving further and further away. So I was in Ushuaia, Argentina, and I ran into Emily from the Vandersons who, and she, Mm -hmm. they had just driven down there from Alaska, actually from Mm -hmm. the Arctic circle. Yeah. Well, now that they've done that, they're driving back and their attitude is completely different now. You know, it's funny now that they spent four years getting down there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and they have a similar situation. And this is something I wanted to talk to you about. They're traveling with uh, a cat and a dog. Mm-hmm. And you guys travel with Paco, of course. And Paco is the star of the show. Sorry, guys. Everybody's watching for Paco. I think yeah. you guys know this. <laughs> Tell me about Paco, and and I have a lot of people asking me what it's like traveling with pets. And while I have pets, I specifically don't travel with them because I personally want to focus on the trip. And I feel like if you travel with animals, the animals come first. So tell me your experience with that. So we got Paco in 2020. Um Originally, we had wanted a dog when we were living in New York, but it was just we were too busy and we weren't around and it wouldn't have been fair to the dog. Um, And then we got on the road and the first couple of months of van life were actually kind of hard and stressful and like they're great, but they're also like you're learning your new van, you're learning how to be on the road, you're getting used to this like not having a job thing. It's like there's a it's a lot of like newness. You more you think more like you're on vacation, so you're trying to fit everything in. You're right. really like you're in a rush to do everything. It kind of feels like, and then you start to realize, wait, I can slow down. This is like a thing that I'm going to do for a while. Once we had that like slow down moment. And then the pandemic hit. And so that was also a very big slowdown. So that kind of canceled all of our really horrible plans to do that whole trip in one year. Then we knew that we had the time and the bandwidth to adopt a dog. So we started looking. We found Paco in Oregon at a humane society. The crazy part about when we found Paco, a little side story real quick before we get into the difficulties of traveling with the dog or the, the good parts about it. When we got to the Samuel H. Boardman Corridor, if you don't know what that is, it's a part of Oregon coast. And when you start to get into this corridor, you lose service completely. And it's super twisty, windy, up, down. And then on the one side is the Oregon coast, which is a giant cliff to your death. Yeah. 
And so uh, we were sleeping up in the up in the area where we didn't have service, and it was kind of right by the natural bridges spot. And um, we wake up in the morning to an email, and the email is saying that Paco is available. And because Paco actually, right before we got there, was not available and got adopted three days before. And then he got returned. And so, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So I guess it was a family that had a dog who got sick and Paco had like what they thought was kettle cough. So they brought him back because they didn't want a possibly sick dog and losing another dog to being ill. And then, so then another girl went to adopt him and she had to ask permission from her landlady and she couldn't get it. So Paco was available. Alex looked at me and was like, should we go back and get him? And I was like, yeah, I think this is a sign that we should go look at the dog. (laughs) We fell in love immediately because he's the most adorable dog. I actually said he's ugly. Yeah, Frank did not fall in love immediately, but I did. He's a little snaggletooth, but honestly, he is the cutest van life dog there is. I'm sorry, everybody else. It's true. (laughs) He he really is. And the reason why I was saying that I, I felt he was ugly at the time, not in the sense of looks, but in the sense of like his he was fear. so scared he was so scared he was so fearful and he was also very skinny and malnourished and mm. had been beaten up he had, he had like bite scars marks, on him and bite stuff. marks on his head bite marks on his ears uh he was he was kind of messed up at that point but so we had thought that it was going to be difficult to adopt a dog into a van because we'd heard some people having trouble with this. Yep. Um, but so we were just honest and forthright with the woman at the Humane Society. And she was like, van life is the best life for a dog. You get to be with your dog 24-7. Your dog gets to explore new places. Like, so amazing for the dog. Like, take the dog. Take Paco for three days. If you don't like him, you can bring him back. Have this most beautiful, cutest thing ever. And then if you don't like it, bring it back. So we take Paco for a walk around and we get back you we we were already talking about names so we know we're going to take this dog and we bring him back outside after like signing the paperwork and stuff and paco looks back at the other dogs and is like yeah that's right like he looked looked back at them it was so funny and we couldn't believe it yeah because he knew he was getting adopted at that point and um so we decided to take him to a beach uh right before we get into the corridor that way we could get him some exercise, yeah. figure out a couple things with him before we lose service. And so as we're going down to this beach, it's a super steep downhill to get down to this beach. And I notice our brakes are failing. Oh. And I'm like, what is going on right now? And uh, the light comes on for the brake, and we get down there. And I tell Alex to step on the brake while I'm outside. And I just watch it go and squirt on the base oh. of the van. So we have a pinhole in it. Luckily, I have enough brake fluid to put into this brake line, keep it topped off because you don't want your brakes going dry. No. Yeah. So we drive back up and we go to this place that's closing and they're like, listen, we'll check it out for you, but we're, we're going to be out of the office for three days. <laughs> so we had to park at a Fred Myers parking lot right down the road from it. And so the first three days of Paco's, you know, adoption life with us. We was, lived in a grocery store. Was living in a grocery store <laughs> Real van life. <laughs> Real van life. Yeah. And like he saved us because if we would have went into that corridor, we would have oh, lost yeah. our brakes. We would have had no e-brake. Oh, no e-brake. No e-brake. We never had an e-brake. Oh, okay. Who needs one of those? <laughs> the mechanism for the e-brake was frozen, and we never had an opportunity. Oh. So, uh, so Paco saved us. It was an opportunity for us to save him, and he saved us. 
you've made the greatest case ever for traveling with a dog. I mean, first off, you saved your lives. Okay, that's good. And dogs love van life, which yeah. is, I believe, absolutely true. And and surprisingly, a lot of cats do too, which yes. I don't think my cats would. But I think if you have a kitten and you raise it up in a van, yes. But, and I know there's a but because I've watched your videos, it can be a real pain crossing borders with a dog. It definitely makes it more complicated. I will say some dogs aren't great with van life or they get car sick or things like that. Oh, yeah. That's we true. have some friends who, um, you know, if you let your dog be able to see out the window, that can help a lot. So, like, rather than having the dog on the floor, if you build maybe, like, a little platform between the two front seats so that the dog can sit up there and see out, that can help with car sickness. Mm -hmm. um, but Paco's always been really good uh, with driving. He's never had a problem. He usually just, like, falls asleep as soon as we start driving and is happy to drive all day if we needed to. He actually jumps in other people's vans, which is very scary sometimes because we're like, no, dude, no. He just loves it. He's like, who, what kind of home you got in there, you know? But the harder part about it is the aspect of, like, you can't go to some national parks. Right. Um, some ski areas where they have, like, where it's built into a canyon somewhere, they might not allow animals as well because of wildlife. You know, crossing borders, like you said, could be harder. For the most part, it's been pretty easy, but there have been moments where it would be like an extra hour, more money, and, you know, that there has been one time where it took us six hours. Because of a paper for Paco. I was going to say, one of the things I learned from you is that when you're crossing borders in Central America, bring like three times as many copies of things that you think you'll need. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's absolutely kind of ridiculous how much paper they love. And I'm like, what are you doing with this? Like, are you filing it somewhere? Like, you're, <laughs> like, you're just going to shred it. Yep. But anyways, it makes business for the copy shops, I guess. <laughs> so, and also like, the great thing about iOverlander is that there's actually a pin for pet services. Yeah. So we never really used it in North America because we would just Google like a vet near us or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, you can find a vet anywhere. Also, and it's not like having a regular doctor where like, or maybe you need to go to an urgent care or something like that. Like any yeah. vet will see any dog or cat at any time. Like you don't have to be a client of the vet to get yeah. into a vet. With and a dog. I will also say like when you're crossing state to state, you're not crossing a border in the sense of like, you need paperwork to like, right. like they're physically these, all this paperwork that we're doing is basically like a passport for Paco. Right. So like right. how we're getting our passport stamp, Paco is too technically. It's just not like the similar booklet to what we have. Yeah. Now you had an incident where Paco got sick. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. yeah. So when we were in Guatemala, the day that we got really stuck, Paco um, started throwing up a lot. Mm. So that was, you know, double stressful. The van is stuck. We can't get out of there. There's no services really nearby. Like, you know, he's not feeling well. We're worried about him. We're worried about the van. Like everything is kind of going wrong at the same time. So we finally get the van out. And then it was maybe like a two or three hour drive to the next city where we could city. actually get a vet. So we're kind of like racing to get to the vet before it closes. It's like pouring rain, of course. The streets are like flooded. We're, you know, like running over to the vet, like banging on the door, like maybe 10 minutes before they close. Come on, like, please let us in. Using the iOverlander app, we found a vet in the area that was reputable and went in. And in Central America, the vets have actually all been very affordable. Mm -hmm. So it's been kind of yeah. nice. Like we went to that one vet twice. The medication that he gave us the first night seemed to make Paco worse. So oh, yeah. we went back the next day. 
He gave us some more medication that didn't do anything. So we're like, okay, we don't like this guy anymore. Let's find a new vet. So then we went to another vet and then he actually put Paco on an IV and helped him get his fluids back. The first one thought that Paco was like other dogs where he would like lick and eat anything off the floor or out of anybody's hand. And Paco's not that way. Paco like actually will wait for us to give him an okay. But wow. he has before. A lot of the time. We've looked down and he's eating like a whole plate of rice that someone left on so the So there floor. are times. So he, <laughs> it's, it's a dog. not impossible yeah. that he's eating but something the, off the But the chances floor. are much lower than like a normal dog. Like yeah. most dogs will just like gobble anything they see he's not like that and he was been with me during this whole time when alex was at the the yoga retreat retreat, and he was with me the whole time he never ate anything off the floor so i don't know what it was he must have just got like a stomach bug whatever and so i actually said to that doctor that i wanted to get paco an iv and he was like, oh, let's try this first, and then we'll see. And I was like, just give him a freaking IV. Like, I'm, I'm saying I'll pay for it, you know? Yeah. So he didn't do that. So that was like mm-hmm. a flag for us to go to this new vet. And the new vet, like, right away was like, yeah, no problem. I'll get him fluids. Well, maybe we might have to keep him overnight. And he wanted to give him Paco back to us because Paco wouldn't eat or anything. He's very attached to Alex and I. He's yeah. extremely, extremely dependent on us. We are his emotional support humans and (laughs) he needs us around. So the, and this doctor noticed it. Yeah. So it all ended up well in the end. And I think the whole affair maybe cost us like a hundred, $150 between like three different vet visits, a full day ID, like all of this stuff. So we're super grateful for that. But that just made me think of another thing that can kind of go wrong with dogs is that we're able to leave Paco in the van without a problem um so like if we're going into the grocery store or say we decide that we want to do one of these hikes in a national park or whatever in the winter time it's super easy to leave him in the van because you just put all the window covers up you have the heater going you know even if the heater failed at some point during the day which is super unlikely he would still be warm enough that he would be fine you know we're not going to be gone for like four days or something you know yes we're it, not even going to be gone more than four hours right. right right you leave him some water and he's got his bed and, right. and it's not like death valley in the summer that's a totally different well, situation correct so yeah. in central america it's been a little bit more tricky because we don't feel comfortable leaving him in the van when it's hot yeah we can have the fans on and the exhaust and we can be in the shade and we can you know have a window cracked or whatever but it wouldn't be comfortable for us to sit in there for multiple hours like that, which Which is why we usually leave the van in the daytime. So, you know, we're always looking for coffee shops that allow dogs or, you know, different areas that we can go with him where say we need to work or something like that. Or if we've been staying like at a specific campground for multiple days and we've met the people there and we are like getting close to those people with like, Hey, can you make sure Paco's okay? We'll leave the door open, come in and out as he pleases, you know, and, and he's fine, you know, but we have other friends who, as soon as they walk away from the van, the dog just starts barking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, please don't leave me. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. And it's almost like heartbreaking. You're like, okay, you're going into the grocery store for, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. Like they're going to be fine. But it's just, I don't know, it just feels so, I don't know, stressful for the dog or whatever. Like, I don't know how you deal with that or manage that or make that not happen. But it's definitely something that you would probably want to work on because 
A, it's going to make other people look at your van and be Absolutely. like, is that dog okay? Is that dog safe? I better break a window and let the dog out. Right. Yeah. And it just kind of like gives like a bad vibe generally. And then for you, if you do want to go do a hike or something where like the dog can't come or whatever, like you aren't going to feel super confident like leaving your dog in the van if they're just going to bark the whole yeah. time. You guys got the right dog. Yes. We got really, really lucky when it comes to Paco. I mean, as much as he is dependent on us, when we leave the van, he's so chill. Like he sits either in the front seat or in the bed and just lays there. And like, I'll come back like sneaky and like, I'll look in and I'll, I'll like peer in where he can't see me. And I see him just like totally passed out. <laughs> and he's just sleeping there. And I'm, I'm like, man. And then but once he sees us, he's the most excited. Dog he gets in the world. so happy and yeah. so excited to see us. Yeah. And it's really nice. But yeah, I think it does probably depend on the animal right like yeah. if you have a very high strung animal that's not going to be cool stuff like that then it definitely makes it harder he's also not that big and i don't know that if people think about this but the size of the dog in a small van actually can matter you know if the dog's crawling into bed with you a lot of times the beds aren't very big but also the food and stuff you have to bring for the dog takes up space too you know water bedding all that stuff. And, you know, and Paco's kind of like pocket size. So I figure that has to work out pretty well for you guys. Yeah. He's a 15 pound dog. He's not, he's not as small as a small, cho- as like a regular yeah. chihuahua. He's, he's like a, a double bit, chihuahua. He's a little bit bigger. <laughs> uh, yeah. Double chihuahua is a pretty good yeah. idea of what he is. And, and like, he really is he's the perfect size. He's big enough to where he could jump up on the bed, no problem. And he can go hiking with us. He can and, hike like, yeah. fun outdoor things. He can hike about seven miles on his own. He wow. loves the beach, loves running. He's very active for a dog. He's not really a yappy dog. Uh, he's not like a exceptionally loud dog, which is great. But he also is a great alarm system. So if somebody yeah. like say knocked on the door or walked by the door, he's going to bark. He's going to alert us. And and let that person know, like this is my house. This is my this is our place. Like back up. And then when he notices you and he's like, "Oh, that's my person," he starts crying. <laughs> you know, I, like, dogs are great security. I mean, I've said that a lot. What's the best thing you can have for security in a van? It's a dog every time. Yeah. It's gonna people don't want to mess with dogs. It's gonna let you know anything that's going on. So yes. yeah. But, what was the scariest thing that's happened to you guys? This seems to be the question that everybody wants. I would uh-huh. say there there's two of the scariest things that happened to us. One almost flipping our old van. That's um, not good. No. And and that we was did some serious off roading that we should we not have done in, in the, the dark in the up middle a of the hill. Night. Uh, and I had to turn our van around. This is the van that didn't have great brakes and stuff. Yeah. So no e brake. It, it was it was very very sketchy. We felt the whole van go like. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. like that right left right left right left like slowly oh, getting back to center that was really scary alex actually yelled at me and was like why the would you do that frankie and i was like <laughs> i had no choice babe <laughs> wasn't on purpose <laughs> and the other one was when we were in baja and the van almost got taken by the ocean i saw that uh, video that was real i i thought this well this is going to be their last video with this van <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, and it, we it was thought really that close. Too. We thought that too. Luckily, the the chassis of the van and the van itself didn't actually get submerged in yeah. the in the uh, salt water. We got so lucky. We've been continuously cleaning the base of the van too since to keep it 
clean and fresh and make sure that we never have any issues with rust with the van. Just seeing the wave, uh, like actually a wave come in and push by you was the most wild thing. I, I think like in the moment I was like, oh, let's go. But actually when, when like thinking about it now, it's like you look back at it and you're like, yo, that could have been the most dangerous thing ever. Yeah, Imagine was, if we were sleeping. And it oh, happened. it was at night, right. I, you know, I've seen the video, so I know the context. Uh, for folks uh, listening, I will have links to uh, some of the videos we've talked about so you, you, you have some context. But you weren't even alone on the beach. You had other people with you. Yep. <laughs> yeah, nobody thought that the tide would come in. And we no. were all, you know, settled in for a margarita taco Tuesday yeah. or whatever. And yeah. the plans changed abruptly. And pre-warning, <laughs> if you watch this video, it is going to give you anxiety mm. yeah it, it's one of these videos like well screw that i'm staying in my house i'm not getting in a van but but no and and i'm sure you guys have learned something from this is that even if the beach looks completely safe and nothing's ever going to happen you're still going to check and maybe back up a little bit mm-hmm. yes check I, the tide reports all yeah. these things. so two things i learned in that moment was the tide like alex said the other thing is when you walk out of your van you're in a situation like that if you see like little crab holes and you touch that's the ground and it's yes. slightly damp. Yes. Get out of there. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a perfect piece of advice because that means that that goes underwater. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. It's a salt flat and it's time <laughs> yeah. to leave. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting because I feel like when most people want the scariest thing that happened in a van, it's like, oh, somebody banged on the door or somebody like, right. you know, forced us to do something or we got ripped out of our homes or robbed or, but in over three years in the van, the scariest things have been the situations that we've put ourselves in. Mother the nature. people on the road have been yeah. amazing. Everybody has been so helpful in both of those situations. People arrived to help and were there and made us feel better, got us out of the situation. You know, we've met so many amazing people since being on the road and haven't had any problems with human beings at all. Leave it love. I have to agree with you. I have a lot of anxiety about other people. You know, I, I imagine these scenarios where I'm parked in front of some guy's house and he doesn't want me there and he sticks a shotgun in the window, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is I've driven all over the country in my van. I've been all over Canada. I've broken down since I bought my Sprinter. <clears throat> I've broken down in many different places and everybody everybody has been super nice and helpful even deep on an indian reservation in montana where all those folks there had all the reason in the world to be mistrusting of me they dropped everything and did everything they could to help me get back on the road and then wouldn't take money for it which blew me away although i i handled that separately yes super important message people generally are pretty good and while you have to be cautious, it's not as bad as it might look sometimes. Yeah, I think the best thing you could do is lead with love. You know, be, yeah. be patient, be kind. And don't leave your sandals on the beach because someone might take them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, someone stole my iPad in uh, Argentina and I was like, uh, but, you know, that's like the worst thing that's happened to me. Yeah, and in- usually it's like I left my iPad in a stupid place. You yes. know, like. That's what it was. I did. I left it and somebody took it and I went back and like, yeah, I didn't turn it in. It had my name on it, you know, but I mean, okay, that's a it's normal a life. Of opportunity. Like yeah. nobody has ever smashed our window or like broken into the van. Yeah. If we're walking away like from that. the van, we close the doors, you know, the window <laughs> lock them. Yeah. <laughs> don't leave valuables in the front seat. You know? Right. Don't, I, I saw this one couple, um, they, they had a small van and they would take all their stuff and put it in suitcases and then stack the suitcases up on the dashboard and in the front seats. 
And yeah, guess what happened? <laughs> it got stolen. Exactly. That's like a really easy. It's like, oh, thank you like, for putting all of your valuables in this bag for me. I really appreciate it. You have that. right in the front, perfect opportunity to unzip that zipper. Yeah, it was just they, you know, and they woke up in the morning and all their stuff was gone. And I'm amazed you slept through that, but but yeah, don't do that. Last question I'll ask you. What are your plans for the future? Where do you go from here? Well, you know, we'll we'll give you the scoop, Jeff. You know, <laughs> we wanna we wanna make sure your listeners have some good stuff to go home with. Um, so we are heading back to the United States. We've got uh, many more border crossings before yeah. we get there. Our general plan is one week in El Salvador, two one week in Baja. Baja. Two weeks. One to two weeks We're in Baja. We're gonna have to talk about this. Depends. Are you gonna Again. get how are you gonna get to Baja? You're gonna go up and then down, or are you gonna yeah yeah much quicker oh yeah easy oh, yeah. safe but also um we want to get there because we have to get up to huntington beach yeah. to uh be able to pick up our winter snowboards like uh so we can hit the mountains a little bit i want to mm-hmm. snowboard a bit before we head east but generally the plan is to go back east and then make our way up into canada our plan is kind of to travel in canada uh in by the summertime we want to do the east coast of canada this upcoming summer because we've never done it and it's one of alex's dreams as well you need to keep in touch with me because my plan has been since covid freaking started to drive to newfoundland and Perfect. If, you, if you guys are heading up there i would totally love to meet with you up there yep. yeah <laughs> my, that would be awesome yeah that would be epic and it's so far away <laughs> Yeah, it's wild. When I was a kid, we did a road trip to PEI. We lived in oh, Ontario yeah. growing up. And so we did, the, you know, the big, long drive. Through uh-huh. Like, to- Canada is huge. Also, to put it in perspective, probably where you are right now and where we are right now yeah. in the world, like, we're in Costa Rica. We're, mm-hmm. like, kind of in the middle of Costa Rica. If you drove from where you are to where we are, it's probably about the same distance. It is. Newfoundland. It really is. It really is. I've, done the, I've looked at the map, and I'm like, it's on the same continent. How could it be so far away? And oh, yeah. And then I thought, oh, I'll just drive up through Labrador. And then I realized Labrador doesn't have roads. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll make it, though. I feel I, like we I, were talking to some folks the other day who'd done it and they were like, oh, you're going to love it. It's so amazing. So get there. My, my family's from Newfoundland. They left after a tidal wave that washed away their fishing village and they all moved to the States in like 1929. So I, I feel like I have this obligation to go back oh, yeah. and see Beautiful. what it was like but freaking covid and then freaking six dollars a gallon for diesel which is only going to be like nine dollars a gallon up in canada you know but oh, yeah. but you know like you guys you can't let this stuff stop you completely you know you got to live yeah. your life and it, you just mm-hmm. budget differently okay gas costs more okay i'll budget differently you know right hopefully the one good thing is the summertime diesel drops in price so hopefully you have that going for you but it definitely is going to be more expensive when it comes to diesel i'm so glad i bought diesel diesel right now is two dollars and ten cents more per gallon in chicago right now well that's the thing about van life is you can kind of choose like like for us like i was saying we're driving pretty slow through central america the drive back is gonna just wallop our gas tank because yeah. like we're buying tanks of gas like every other I think day we budgeted it it's gonna be about 700 dollars just to get back yeah. it's just in fuel alone wow and don't put diesel in your tank <laughs> yeah we didn't you know, do that one time was enough. <laughs> 
if I was doing it myself, it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. You're so lucky you no one caught that. <laughs> I, you know, it was one of my biggest fears of something like that happening while we're traveling down south. Also, like, our, we have a Ram Pro Master, but we have, yeah. like, a fancy paint job on it with, like, a black right. stripe, and, like, it's a green color. It's kind of like an army tan, like, green. Everybody thinks it's decent. People think it's, like, this badass machine. Oh, it's right. a Ram Pro Master, but so everybody just assumes that it's diesel. They're like, oh, this is one's diesel. Like well, they see all the sprinters that look like that, and they mostly are diesels. So sure. Also, to be fair, the vans down in Central America and the auto buses are all diesel. Yeah, that's like, true. It's very rare that they're gas. So when they see a big rig, they automatically think, oh, that's probably diesel. Yeah. Word to the wise, watch what goes on when someone else is filling your tank. For sure. <laughs> Guys, this has been a pleasure, and I have to end it because of time only, but I could talk to you guys forever. I hope I get to meet with you on the road somewhere at some point, but thanks so much for sharing your journey with us. Channels like yours really, really help set the tone for folks. There are so many crap channels out there that I'm really thankful you guys put that effort in every week, so thank you for that. Thank, thank you, Jeff. Jeff. We appreciate that. Thank you for having us on the podcast. We totally appreciate it. We appreciate the fact that you actually watched the videos. And, and once again, <laughs> that we were we were people that have helped you, push you to get into yeah. the lifestyle and go further in it. And we're so thankful to be those type of people. And we're going to keep working our asses off to, to get that content out and, and make sure it's good quality. The more van lifers on the road, the better. And that was our interview with FNA Van Life. And as promised, you can find links to their website and content on the description for this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If you like these interview podcasts, let me know. I can do more of them. It's just kind of not what I've been doing. So let me know if you like it or let me know if you don't. That's okay, too. Music, as always, was by Simon Wegg. And until next time, remember the words of Yogi Berra. Always go to other people's funerals, otherwise they won't come to yours.